This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, apologies. Plus, Biz is worried, Teresa solves a problem, and we welcome back Allie Harper, founder of Our Shelves. Woo! Woo! Teresa. Yes. Before I ask you how you are. Okay. I have to make sure that everybody remembers. Yeah. New merch. The merch, you guys. Seriously. I cannot emphasize enough. The new merch. I am a self. It's so good, you guys. It's this is what everybody should have for the holidays. I agree. We it's should just wear so it. so good. We should all be wearing them all the time. Even if it's just nuzzled under a holiday sweater yeah. and you're in there like washing dishes yes. for like a holiday. It's Christmas yes. morning or it's during Hanukkah or it's during one of the eight million reasons people are in your house making a mess yes. and you're supposed to stay happy. But like close Inside. to your skin. Yes. It says I am you a self. You know you're a self. I feel like in contrast to the Haggard and Broken tea, yes. which is also a great tea. Oh, it's a good one. That one I wear when I'm in a particular place. Yes. And it's really good <laughs> for that place. It's really gratifying yes. when I'm in that place. The I am a self tea I feel like is good for all places. Yeah. It meets you where you're at. Right. You're having I a agree. rough day, you wear the shirt. You're having a good day, you wear the shirt. It's like all the days yes. can have this shirt. It is a good shirt. You can always cover the that shirt up when you need to with a one bed mother hoodie. Yeah. That's finally arrived. Yes. And there is a bumper sticker <laughs> that says honk if you're doing it, which I'm so excited that our show gets to have one of those bumper stickers that's like, you know, golfers, you know, Ash, do it in Ash the putt or, or what? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> do it in the putt. So I am very excited. That's a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. So go over to maxfunstore.com. Teresa? Yes. How are you? I am a little haggard and broken today. Oh. We traveled for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I just cleaned my car on the way here because it was so oh. filthy and disgusting that I couldn't I couldn't. I I actually skipped my own shower today so that I would have time to clean my car because it was so disgusting. I'm very tired. Mm. We were healthy on the trip, which was great. That's crazy. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But outside of that, it was just like sleep disruptions every night and just like stuff being crazy, you know, just like traveling with three kids. And one of the hardest things was that my six-year-old, Oscar... Gets really homesick when we're not. Oh, home. but he, like even with you, it's not even like with me. It's it's like he wants, literally yeah, the house. Yeah, he's okay. homesick for me at other points. Right, but like when we go on trips, pretty much like he's excited to go on the trip usually. But within twenty four hours of getting to the place that we've gone, yeah, he always wants to go home, and it's really really hard for him. Yeah, and on this particular trip, it was like that times a thousand. Like I don't know mm. what was going on with him, but it was really really rough like to the point where and we were dog sitting for some friends of ours that's where we were staying and the house was really nice and the dog was really sweet and we were comfortable and we had space and it was he was like following me around Mm. everywhere like dragging his body on my body like at all it was so exhausting wow and I actually I kind of fixed it though 
Oh. And I was like, <laughs> how do I how do I talk about this because it's controversial? Okay. I bought him a Lego set, like a medium size sure. like Lego set from the toy store down the hill. And the reason I did that was not to be like, oh, you're sad. Here's some toys. But I just (laughs) could tell that, like, the thing he was really missing was he really likes to have his time at home where he kind of goes to his space and he has his little things and he builds with his Legos and he does his, like, imaginary games. And that is, like, a very regulating thing for him and, like, a very comforting thing for him. And he does it... Every day, usually more than once a day. And so when we're traveling, he doesn't have that. Even if he brings a few Legos, which he did, it's like not the same Mm -mm. because he doesn't have his space or his setup. And I just, I I said to Jesse, I really think we need to do this. And he was like, okay. (laughs) You know, that kind of like, sure, like kind of thing. And I just thought, I just know that this is going to help him. And it totally did. Damn straight. Yeah. Like, the whole rest of the trip. I mean, he did ask, like, when are we going? You know, he he wanted to know when we were going home. But he also spent lots of time just sitting at that dining room table playing with his new Legos and being, like, totally calm and, like, comfortable. So it was a game changer. Nice. And I felt good about that. I think you did a great job. Thank you. How are you? You know, worry is a funny thing mm-hmm. where you know you don't have all the facts about something uh-huh. and you're not going to get them till like a certain day. Okay. And then, so you're like, well, there should be no need to worry per se because mm-hmm. I don't know. What's happening is about a week and a half ago, Ella started like having extreme thirst like oh. all night. Like was couldn't sleep because he was so, he was going through like, Four or five of his, like, sippy cups of, like, water. Like, couldn't sleep, would wake up thirsty. And, of course, that means you got to pee. And then, like, during the day, he was drinking a lot more. And so, apparently, that's a thing. That's, like, a warning sign of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we're going to the doctor tomorrow. Yeah. But... There's like a whole weekend of, you know, you just do the fucking Google search and then you're like, okay, these are the different situations it could be. All of them, if it's not just a random thing, pretty big life changers and game changers. And I'm just like, I was telling Stefan, I just said to him, you know what? I And I usually don't express my worry to Stefan because he's very logical and it's like, well, we won't know. But I said, I tell you. I'm a little worried. Yeah. If this is indicative of something like type 1 diabetes, that's a real, that's going to be a lot. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a lot for Ellis. It's going to be a lot for us. It's going to be a lot. And, you know, I just was like, and I'm worried, Mm -hmm. even though I have no control over any of it right now. Right. And I've done everything I can do. Yes. Which is make an appointment. Yeah. Right? And so, so I just was like, we're, and I told him, I said, I know my logical mind's like, everything's okay till you know it's not. Right? right. Like, 
But then there's the yeah, of other course one. I'm like, gonna think I through fucking, scenarios. Yeah, yeah I just course. am like, I hate the thinking through scenarios yeah. because that's not helpful. I mean, yeah. I guess it could be helpful a little as preparation. Yeah, but like, there are a lot of times I've gone in. With the, I've thought through all the worst case scenarios, and it's absolutely not. Yeah. And then I always feel like weird about it. I'm like, why did I spend all that time worrying about it? I know. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just like. So you're taking him this afternoon? Yeah, no, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. So tomorrow morning. Okay. It's uh, time's out with this physical. Oh. So we're just going to do it all at once. Yeah. So worry. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like, we don't talk about it enough on the show. We. <laughs> Are you being serious or no, sarcastic? Okay. I'm being sarcastic. Yes, that's pretty much our main thing, right? Is, is worrying? Yeah, but I feel like sometimes worry, we try and like counter it. Yeah. Sometimes I think maybe we don't say enough. Sometimes you have to just succumb to the worrying for a little while. Yeah. Because you can't do anything else. I think it's also one of those things like emotions. Where, yeah. Like the more you fight it, the more stressed out it makes you and worked yeah. up about it. So sometimes if you just like let those worries yeah. flow, it's... it kind of runs its course. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> sort of like Ellis's bladder these days. Yeah. Just running its course. A lot. Taking fluid in, Taking letting fluid, fluid out. Look at how your body works. In... With the new, out with the old. Well, I will be thinking of you and Ellis tomorrow, and I hope it's nothing. I hope it's just weird stuff. Yeah. Weird six-year-old stuff. Dryness. Uh, Just weird dryness. very dry here. That is true. I am really hoping for that. Yeah. But if my worrying has caused anyone else to worry, I apologize, Uh which ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today. Which is apologies. Mm-hmm. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. I'm sorry. So sorry. I won't go into the song. Okay. I was enjoying or it. I felt I like I was yeah. such a fool. I didn't know that love could be so cruel. You can't start mm-hmm. a Patsy Klein song and not finish. I know. A Patsy. Okay. So you're all welcome yeah. or I'm sorry. Apologies. Yes. I did not know there was going to be a lot of feelings about apologies when I had kids. Yeah. I was really under the impression before kids that if you hurt someone's feelings Uh or physically harm them in some way or just do anything that is not nice, Mm -hmm. you apologize. Right. I thought that was a good rule. Yeah. Now... I have learned that some people feel differently. Right. And that is a surprise. So so I want to start off talking about, like, kids and apologies. Yeah. And I just want to, I'll just, yeah, I have raised the kids from birth. I mean, if they even step on the cat, I'm like, I need you to apologize to the cat because I Uh just want to emphasize, and you guys have heard me on the show, I will be the first to apologize oh, yeah. if I have said yes. or done something wrong. Yes. You know, it is. And I, not a bullshit apology. And not a bullshit apology. Not if I 
I yeah. apologize if I hurt you. No, it's like, it's I'm like sorry real. I hurt I'm you. I'm really sorry. Right. Yeah. Even if it's just one listener, yeah. I'm like, I hear you and I'm sorry. Yes. That was, wasn't my intention. Yes. And I, oops. Oops. Yeah. And thanks for letting me know yeah. so I can yeah. fix that. Yes. Because just like for my children, I want to know that I can be responsible for my actions, that I can be wrong yeah. and that it's okay and that I can learn from something. Mm-hmm. And, that acknowledging other people's experiences feels good. Yes. Right? So I think apologies, A-OK. Yeah. Katebell goes to a school where they don't apologize. Right. When there's an incident. Talk about the rationale of that. Like what they... I don't... What, you don't know what it I is? I don't really understand oh, it. okay. Because I feel like... I mean, I've read the policy. Okay. <laughs> and it's it's very much about like working out feel like if I understand it correctly, uh-huh. it's about trying to avoid the idea of a meaningless apology. Yeah. That if two kids have an interaction, what's more important is talking it out yeah. and coming, getting a better understanding yeah. of what happened yeah. versus just saying you're sorry and walking on. Yes. And I, I understand yeah. that. Yeah. But I want there to be a combo uh-huh. of that. Yeah. And like, it was really hard for Ellis in his first couple of weeks of kindergarten when people weren't saying, I'm sorry. And Katie Bell right. too, just yeah. was really having like, no one said they were sorry. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. that's, so wait, that's, a clarification yeah. on that though. Do they not do apologies or do they not make a kid say they're sorry? I guess it's do you know that what they I'm don't saying? Make, say you're yeah. sorry. They don't make they don't say, them. like, you need to apologize. Yeah. Yes. However, I feel like how do kids learn to right. apologize? No, I, no, I feel totally. like I get the whole, like, I ugh, the tediousness and, like, the, sometimes the meaningless feeling uh-huh. of, like, making small children say you're sorry. Yeah. You say you're sorry. Yeah. And no one, no kid knows what they're doing. Yeah. But I think that's the same thing as manners and everything else where it's totally. just about repetition practice. Yeah. and practice. Yeah. And one day it will hold meaning if right. you are supporting it yes. with these things. Yeah. So that's that's where I am yeah. with the surprise of children and apologies. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah, I hear all of that. I think like I think I probably fall like a little more on the side of there might be other things that are more important with kids mm-hmm. to get out of a conflict than the practice of saying I'm sorry. Like, yes. I can see how there might be value in if there's a conflict between two kids, like focusing on some other aspects of reconciliation aside from just teaching kids that you should say I'm sorry. Like, right. so I can kind of. I can kind of get that part of it. I, that being said, I I also think that apologies are really important, real ones. Yeah. I just think, like, there is this way that I was taught to say sorry as a kid or that I remember, especially at school, apologies yeah. being where it was just like, say you're sorry, and it's so- like, sorry, and then that's it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and, like and then so they just weird. go back to punching run you away. in the yeah. knee. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> I remember a friend of mine who was like, who had like their kid at a particular school, and I was like thinking about that school for one of my kids, and they were like, you know, they really are working on getting better with their like conflict res- resolution practices, but like, we've had 
so much trouble with basically like really bad things happening, like bullying type yeah. things. And then they would just have the kids come to the table and then just say they were sorry. And that was it. Yeah. And like it. So it's really I think it's like it's really all of it. Right. Like it's really like because what I've noticed I do with my kids is I do have them say they're sorry. But my first impulse is not saying you're sorry. It's usually Ask them if they're okay. Mm-hmm. Are they okay? Check on them. Yeah. Are they okay? What do they need? Oh, Ask them what they need. So it's like, it's kind of like focusing on that part first. Mm. So like, uh, just like small conflicts around the house, it's usually like Curtis will take something, like take Oscar's Legos and then Oscar will get mad and hit him and yeah. Curtis will fall over. Right. And then Curtis will be crying and Oscar will say like, mm, mom, I did a, you know. <laughs> and so I'll be like, a quick pick like pick him up is he okay ask yeah. him how he's doing check on him you know like and just kind of focusing on the caring like mm. caring for the other person and seeing what they need first and foremost oh um, yeah and then like after that it's like making sure everybody hears everybody gets their chance to be heard like does Curtis right. want to say what happened do, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So that there's a meaningful exchange about yeah. what happened. And then I, if they do have a meaningful exchange and they're okay, mm. I don't necessarily need Oscar to say, I'm sorry. He usually does. Yeah. But I don't necessarily need him to. You know, okay. like I think it's more important that he is remorseful and shows care and tries to make it better somehow. Like we focus yeah. a lot on like how can you... How can you make it better? Like, is there a Lego you can share with him? Is You know, what does he need? Does he need a Band-Aid? You know, whatever. Right. What do you do with Curtis for <laughs> initiating this yeah. crisis? No, but seriously, like, I loved all of that. Are you simultaneously trying to help Curtis, who's really young, and I know yeah. developmentally he's still, yeah. but is there a place there for that understanding? I mean, I mean, I... I no. think it's inherent. Like, yeah. you took this and you got hit. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I think he already learned that lesson. <laughs> Cause yeah. effect. Yeah. Like, I think, and, and like, I do focus on, since he's, like, it would be different if it's between Grace and Oscar. Yeah. But, like, between Oscar mm. and Curtis, they're three years and three months apart, and Curtis is not yet three. And, like, the impulse control is just not, like, he just. Yeah. And so I do focus a lot on with Oscar, like, that is so frustrating, and I will help you get that Lego back. Like, yeah. I'm here for you. Because that's so frustrating. But we can't hit. Like, period. Yeah. We can't hit. So I do try to give Oscar that, like, on repetition, that understanding of, like, it's not okay that he took your Lego. Right. Like, it's not okay. But he's he's not doing that, like, maliciously. He's right. just two. Like, that's just... Yeah. And it's the same for... My older kids also have <laughs> impulse control problems. Yeah. So it's, like, it's that understand... <laughs> it's not just with a two-year-old. It's no. that understanding of, like, okay, that was not fun. We totally see how not fun that was, yeah. you know. And it's and it's like a million little decisions that we're all making <sighs> at every moment. But like in those moments I just I can see how making someone say they're sorry in that moment mm-hmm. is like maybe less, a little less helpful than like walking through that process, like the no. other things that are going on in that moment. What's great is that you're teaching them what an apology means. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, because no one likes empty apologies. Right, yeah. They need to to understand how to apologize is to understand empathy, to understand mistakes, to understand forgiveness. Yeah. And 
if you aren't backing up those different sort of qualities and parts of it, then it's like when my kids, sometimes stuff will happen and, you know, Kayla will be like, I want an apology to Ellis, right? And I'll be like, Ellis? You know, do you understand? We go yeah. through the hall. Like, oh, you should have done that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm skipping to the apology right. part. And Alice will be like, sorry. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay, let me tell you how apologies yeah. work. Yeah. You need to make eye contact. Uh-huh. And then you need to say it yeah. to the person. Yeah. Right? And then that takes forever. Right. Right? I'm yeah. saying, fucking just look at her. Yeah. Look at her. Yeah. And then to, like, Katie Bell, I'll have to be like, you also need to look but without a stink face, right? Be receptive to uh-huh. the apology. Yeah, it's not like she—he's given you a dollar for a service. Yeah, this is if you want an apology, prepare to accept an apology, and that you need to acknowledge it. Yeah. right? And then like, move on, and then move on, yeah. and then everybody has yeah. to move on. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot. Of, I think apologies are like very easy to look at as just a simple one-dimensional transaction. Yes. And if you don't get them, yeah, then you have been wronged and shamed. Yeah, as opposed to you know all these intricacies and nuances of really taking responsibility for your mistake and. Taking responsibility for your ability to forgive. Oh, totally. And, you know, and accept the apology. Oh, there is. I will. Ah, I'm going to shift to that. Okay. There's nothing. I find that really frustrating when I watch even grown adults demand an apology or just, you know, point out that something is bullshit. Something bullshit happened to them. Mm-hmm. And then the people who did such said bullshit. Mm-hmm. Come back and apologize, but they just don't want any part of it. Mm. And I feel like that's, they just want to be mad. Yeah, yeah. they just want to be mad. Yeah. And but that's different than acknowledging this person who's trying to change or yeah. admit their wrongness. Yeah, there is a difference between us just wanting to be mad and be stinky about something yeah. because of a million emotional attachments to whatever it is that happened. Yeah, versus. Whatever's happening in this individual moment of the wrong and the righting of the wrong, mm-hmm. that always makes me want to go, well, you don't deserve an apology. Mm-hmm. If you're not ready to move on past it, what is the point of the apology? And I've had that conversation with Katie Bell. Mm-hmm. He's going to apologize, but or your friend's going to apologize. Or if you want your friend to apologize for something, are you ready to let it go yeah. when they do? Like, yeah. what are you trying to get? What do you need emotionally yeah. from that apology? Well, I think that's a really interesting concept, right? Because I think the idea that an apology might not be enough mm-hmm. kind of gets at this other work that yeah. we're trying to do with them, where we're trying to make it genuine enough, meaningful enough. Yeah. And I think like give the person who's upset a chance to say what they need to say might even be more important. Like I'm thinking about a fight that I had with Jesse yesterday and it was like on text message because he wasn't there and the (laughs) kids were there and I wasn't going to call him and scream F words into the phone. (laughs) So I typed a million F words into my phone, and I think now my phone finally understands that when I type fuck, I don't mean duck. You don't mean duck. And when I type fucking, I don't mean ducking. Uh Huh. And when I type fucked, I don't mean ducked. (laughs) 
Um, Way to learn, AI. Good job. Keep learning. Yeah. And so, like, I was so mad. You know, it took a little time for him to respond, probably because he had to, like, calm down. Take a breath. Before responding in an equally (laughs) intense manner. And he did apologize. And, like, I'm thinking right now, it was a genuine apology. And I was grateful for his apology because I could tell it was genuine and that he heard me. Mm -hmm. But I still wasn't over it. Yeah. Because I wanted more. I, like, had more to say. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I had. And so, <laughs> and so, like, it's just going to take a couple of it. Like, it's be- was better later yesterday. Yeah. It's better today. But it's, like, it's going to take some time. And so, do you know what I mean? No. To, like, and some more opportunities to actually interact and, yeah. like, clear the air on what those things were. And I feel like it's the same with kids, right? Like, not, not hopefully not with all those f words. Sure, but I do want <laughs> fucking right. But I, like I, saying I, you're sorry cuts it off. I feel like in a way that's unfair. Is I, what I was gonna say like if you yeah. just if you if somebody's really upset and you're just like I'm really sorry, it's a little bit like, well, thanks. Like, but that's kind of in a way it's kind of easy to say you're sorry. Like, that's kind of do something else or like give me or like really give me a chance to talk or like really offer to make amends somehow. Like, yeah, I think the difference between what you're saying and what I was saying with the like, I'm just going to be stinky mad and I don't give two shits yeah. right about your apology is the being able to vocalize that because you can be it's the old like. You know, my partner, my friends, you know, never get me anything that I want or they don't know what to say because they can't read your mind. And so you can walk around mad that no one's giving you what you want or saying what you want because yeah. they can't read your mind, yeah. which is totally something you've created for yourself. Yeah. Took me years to figure that out and I'm still working on it myself. But the when it comes to the, the I'm mad and I'm not going to listen to your apology versus I'm mad, I hear your apology. But I'm going to need more, whether that be time, whether that be interactions. I don't need, like, Stefan and I have gone through this before, too, where he's done stuff. And I'm like, listen, I hear that you're sorry, and I do appreciate that. I'm still bent out of shape. Yeah. And I'm going to be bent out of shape for a while. Yeah. And I don't need you to, like, follow me around apologizing because that will irritate the shit (laughs) out of me. But I want you to be respectful of my irritation. And at times, I may need you to communicate that you still understand why I'm upset. Yeah. Just It's that need to be heard. Yeah. And like understood. Not all interactions are about that. Yeah. But that is one yeah. interaction. Yeah. And I, which then leads us to what example are we setting? Yeah. And, you know, maybe the example is not only apologizing. And we've talked about apologizing to our kids for, like, losing our temper or, like, forgetting to do something as well as following up with them later. So I think that's, like, one good example. But I think with how you interact, I have consistently told my children, oh, I messed up today. I hurt somebody's feelings or somebody reached out to let me know that that wasn't okay. And so, you know... I'm constantly trying to remind them that yeah. apologies and understanding why you need to apologize and the benefits of that for yourself and for others, like why that's important. Yeah, I mean, because even with my kids, 
they've done stuff to me sometimes and they've realized right away it was the wrong thing to do and they apologize, but I ain't ready yeah. to move on yeah. because it hurt. Like well, it either physically hurt or it hurt my feelings. Yeah. And like, I think with kids, it's like almost even harder because you're just giving. I mean, everything we've just talked about is like emotional labor that we're doing all the time. Yes. One of many things we are sacrificing of who we are to help raise reasonable people in the world, right? <laughs> so we're tired and we're exhausted and underappreciated feeling. And then they like bite you or step on you yeah. or say something really rude. Yeah. And you say, I don't like that. That's not okay. And they apologize and they're upset because they yeah. hate to see you. That's scary when you're upset. Yeah. But they apologize and I can hear it in little Ellis's voice that he means it. Yeah. I don't give two shits. I, I am know. so mad. I know. I'm still so mad. I know. And that's not something that a little kid can understand. You right. can't say the same thing yeah. you would say to your partner. Right. I'm still been out of shape. You have right. to like move on. Yeah. We have to like we have take some responsibility for who they are and right. who we are and what the, what the dynamic is in that parent-child relationship and just But th- I think that's a good lesson for ourselves if I'm pointing out lessons. Mm-hmm. If you can learn to accept an apology, understand where it's coming from and then make yourself move on past it. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's two sides. There's yeah. two parts to apologies. Yeah. I'm curious about like when kids apologize or people apologize for things that they don't shouldn't really be apologizing mm. for or don't need to apologize for. Like we're going through this thing with Gracie right now. Yes. Where like she'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry, mommy. I like like she feels that she's done a bad job about something. Yeah. And I'm like you don't need to apologize. Like, that's totally mm. fine. Like, yesterday we were working on a craft. Huh. 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 Who are you? I know. Um, <laughs> broken. Yeah. <laughs> so broken by Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, and I was working on a craft with her, and there was, like, some sewing to it. Uh-huh. And she's just kind of learning to sew. And it's hard. And yeah. there were parts where... Like, um, we were just troubleshooting little things that are normal things when you're sewing. Like, you're kind of always troubleshooting little things. And with every little thing, she'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or, like, if I had to do something, she'd be like, I'm sorry you're having to do so much of this. I'm like... You don't need to apologize. Like, oh, it angers st- you. I was like, yeah. no, I was. I, it makes it me angry. It didn't anger me. It was just like, <laughs> I was just like, wow. Like, do you really think you need to be that perfect? Like, you're so apologetic for not already being perfect at this. And you're, we're learning how to do it right yeah. now. Like, you're not expected to. And I think that's a hard one. And it reminded me of when I, I must have been in like fourth grade or something. And, any and like I had I went through this phase I remember my mom telling me I was going through a phase where mm. I was saying I'm sorry to everything and she just told me at one point I don't want to hear you say that anymore yeah. like it's not like do something do something else like do a different thing don't right. just say I'm sorry like do something and it's not exactly the same as with crazy but it's almost like this cop out like I suck I suck okay just forget me I'm terrible like I I'm no, I, I think can't it is do the anything. Same. It's because like Katie Bell does this. Oh, okay. Katie Bell apologizes for everything. Mm. So, Katie Bell, can you please put your like right now? We're working on like you can't just leave your plate yeah. or your snack, but whatever, yeah. just normal. We place. all live in a house. Yeah. Katie Bell, can you get your 
play. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, and like no, just no, get it. Just get just it. Just get it. Yeah. You haven't done and, anything yeah. to anyone. Yeah. I, I need yeah. you to get it. Or, you know, yeah, it's a, which then makes me feel like, because it's the same as what, all the same examples of what Grace is doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. She apologizes for fucking everything. <laughs> and it makes me mad. And like, or maybe or maybe not like you, I'm like, where is this coming yeah. from? You know, is that a meaningful apology? How yeah. does that affect really apologizing yeah. and understanding when we've done something wrong? Like what the difference is between harming someone and just needing to get something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I then worry, oh, my God, are we doing something? Are we saying or is somebody else yeah. saying something to her? The the fear of perfection, yeah. like anxiety. Yeah. So maybe, actually, it makes me feel good to hear that, like, your mom reminded you mm-hmm. of similar. Yeah. Like, it really could be something that is a phase. Yeah, just a phase, yeah. But we do the same thing where we're just like, this is not something you need to apologize yeah. for. Just yeah. do it. Just or say, it. yes, ma'am. Yeah. You know, yes, ma'am is yeah. supposed to be your blanket. Yeah. Fuck you. Of course I know I'm supposed right. to go do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, just say yeah. yes, ma'am. Yeah. Or the, yes. It's a little bit, I feel like it's also a little bit of, like, a defense mechanism, <laughs> like, yes. to avoid somebody criticizing you. Ooh. You're just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, yeah. and it's like, no. No. Just... It, if I'm correcting you about something or asking you to do something, you're you not in just, trouble. Yeah. I'm not saying there's something wrong with you yeah. as a human. Just like <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. Do something different yeah. and apologize for apologizing to me. <laughs> ah. One Bad Mother is supported in part by ID Tech. I would love my child to have a positive, healthy, and actual educational experience on new technology versus just spending all their time in chat rooms. Do people still go on chat rooms? Maybe I'm not the best person to help my child. Whether your kids are interested in coding, video game development, robotics, or video production, ID Tech can help your child build the STEM skills employers are looking for. ID Tech has programs at 150 prestigious campus destinations worldwide, from Caltech and NYU to Cambridge and the University of Hong Kong. There are courses for all skill levels. So nurture their interests now with help from ID Tech. Visit idtech.com slash badmother today to reserve your child's spot and receive $75 off. This is a great gift for the holidays. That's idtech.com slash badmother for $75 off. idtech.com slash badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius meme. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius.
Oh my God. Seriously, I have a really good genius. This is like superhero level genius. So we were at a playground in Oakland where we were staying over the break. And there was like this old timey kind of carriage, like metal carriage that kids could climb on. I'm not sure if it's just a play structure or was actually a carriage at some point (laughs) or made to just look like a carriage. But it was about the size of a carriage. And Grace, as Grace does, climbs immediately onto the top of the carriage. And there's a little railing around the top that makes you think it's probably okay for a kid to be on top of the carriage, like maybe. And so she's up there playing and the other kids are playing and blah, blah, blah. And then it's time to go. And everything is wet and slippery and she's wearing rain boots. And she starts to step down and she thinks she's she's just not being careful and she thinks that she's stepping on a flat surface but she's stepping on a curved mm. surface and she truly flips her entire body Oof. head down to where her head is falling and I caught her around <gasps> the waist as no. she was falling off the carriage before she hit the ground. I caught her. Caught her midair, mid-fall, head first off of this carriage. Straight Whoa. up. Like, Jesse was there. He was like, that was amazing. Like, Whoa. it was like, it was totally amazing. Yes. And she was fine. Yeah. That's incredible. Incredible. It was incredible. You, mom, are a super mom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so this is just one of those, like, uh, you know, it, you need those moments where you feel like I'm doing a good job. Uh-huh. I'm doing something really right. Yes. So, you know, both of my children, a lot of flatulence. Mm-hmm. They always have. Of course. Spoken about on the yeah. show. It's now Ellis's season to shine. Oh, good. I have equally done the, like, it's your superpower, don't be ashamed of it. You know, if you're going to do it, if you can't control it, you might as well embrace it. I don't know where this has come from, but lately he'll say, I pooted. Uh It's fresh off the butt. (laughs) And that is is the funniest thing I've ever heard. It is so (laughs) funny. But so he's saying that this morning, and he and Katie Bell are both doing like a bunch of just weird ass shit to each other. Like uh-huh. it goes from that to like something else weird to like voices and blah blah uh-huh. blah. And I'm like, get in the car. We all get in the car, and then they both make these very like confident sort of statements about you know how being a weirdo yeah. is a really good thing. Uh-huh. And I just sat down That's in the great. car and I turned around and I said, "You're right. Yeah, being a weirdo is great." And just hearing you say yeah. that. Makes me feel like I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> like just, I think it's so great. I do too. I just am like, They're yes, proud. They're proud that they're just being a weirdo. Yeah. Just be a weirdo. I love it. I, I know. I love it too. It's it made great. me like really happy. Good. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Hi, One Bad Mother. I'm calling with a genius. My daughter's uh, not quite three yet, but um, being pregnant and breastfeeding, I don't know, my hormones went bonkers, and uh, I've got lots of hair, and uh, car tweezers is my genius. I have a pair of tweezers in my car because usually it's when I'm in my car that I touch my chin and I find these bristly, awful (laughs) feeling hairs that I can't stand. Thank you, pregnancy and everything. So I left a pair of tweezers in my car, and now I can take care of them wherever. So that is all. It's the joys of motherhood, right? Uh, Thanks, Kira. Doing a good job, too. 
This is so great. Yes. I love how by the end of the call, she's like, is this even anything yeah. worth? Oh, well, I've already <laughs> shared it. <laughs> I Well, hey, I love anything where somebody's just like, car tweezers. Yes. That's my it's trademark. So yes. <laughs> I love it's it. so good. Yeah. I also like the reminder that pregnancy does insane things to your body. Yes. You seem to have a reasonable sense of humor about it. Yep. Which I think is the real genius. Yes. And... Kudos to car tweezers. Anything we can put in our surrounding area that makes our life easier yeah. is a win. Really? Really. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. Fail me, Teresa. I picked up dog poop with my bare hands because it was in the house and it was a tiny piece and it was kind of dark and yeah. I couldn't see what it was and it was in the toy area mm. and I didn't I just got closer and closer and picked it up and then I went oh this yeah. is dog poop yeah in your hand in my hand like touch it like already touching in it. my hand by the time I knew it was in my hand did you just want to make extra sure did you did you give it the sniff no oh. no I knew huh by the time it was in my hand I knew you knew yeah well, squeeze. <laughs> so gross. You are barely a person. I know. I am so excited to share this fail. This may be one of the greatest fails I've, I've done. Uh, it is particularly poignant as I am Team Banana. So Ellis, this weekend, says, I'm hungry. Stefan says, would you like a banana? He says, okay. We give him the banana. And we peel, Stefan peels like at about halfway down, gives him the banana, and he eats most of the banana. And then he says, I'm done. And then, and I'm also still hungry. And Stefan and I both go, Well, why don't you finish the banana? Mm -hmm. And we slowly peel more of the banana down. And he goes, There's more banana. And we're like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's more, there's more yeah. banana if you keep peeling. And then he's like, okay, now I'm done. And we're like, but there's still like a more banana. Yeah. He goes, no, there's not. And then we peel it all. And he goes, what? what? <laughs> he's so truly surprised. Yeah. And we all, all of yeah. us look at each other. And we're like, did Ellis yeah. just learn that there's more, more banana. banana if you keep have we some yeah he's been eating half a banana his he whole has life truly been eating half a banana and i've always just thought hey he's done with the banana yeah. but now i know it's because he didn't understand that there was more that there banana. was more banana wow yeah wow yeah wow what a wonderful surprise for ellis <laughs> Hi, one bad mother. I'm calling with a fail. I'm not totally sure how it's fail, but it definitely feels like fail. So I was playing with my kid. He's 21 months or whatever it is now. He'll be two in January. Um, and he was rolling around on the ground and, and giggling and playing. And he came up to me and looked like he wanted a kiss. And I thought, that's interesting. But okay, because it was really cute. <laughs> and obviously, I'm going to give my kid a kiss. So he came up to me, kind of open mouth. And instead of giving me a kiss, he, he licked my lip. Um, and I thought that was hilarious and probably... Uh, not something he should do, but okay. So I was laughing, and he was laughing, and he ran away. 
And then I realized uh, I had something in my mouth. So I figure it out, get it out. It's a cat nail. Um, my kid had a cat nail in his mouth, yeah. and he used my mouth to put the cat nail in. Um, so not only, I guess, is my rug really dirty that he was rolling around on, but he now thinks that the way to get rid of things that he doesn't want in his mouth is to put them directly into my mouth. Mm. So it feels like a, like a fail. So uh, thanks for the show. Uh, you're doing a great job. Um, not so much. Yeah, no, it's a fail. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like one of those, like, I was once a human being yeah. fails. Like, it's like, I'm having a great day. Yeah. I got a brand new hat. And a bird shits <laughs> on it. And you're like, oh, everything's the worst. Yeah, yeah. having your kid kiss you and deposit a cat yeah. toenail in your mouth yeah. isn't a good feeling. No. Like a little squirrel passing on nuts for the winter. Yeah, no. It's like a just a weird, sad day. Can't share that with anybody. Except us. Except us. Yeah, I'm like, you're still a person. Yeah. I'd still totally talk to you. We love hearing it. <laughs> we love hearing it, and we love you. Yeah. But everybody else in the world would probably, like, take a step aside. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Care.com. It's the holidays. It's like everything you have to do just got tripled. (laughs) Why not ask for a little extra help with Care.com? To help you handle all those everyday tasks from dog walking, cleaning, and who doesn't need a babysitter over the holidays. Care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. At Care.com, you can find care for everyone in the family, whether you need child care while you're at work or you want to line up a date night sitter, Care.com is there for you. Join for free as a basic member and start searching for great local caregivers. Once you upgrade to premium membership, you can reach out to them, schedule interviews, and even book and pay for care online or through our app. To save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash mother or enter promo code mother when you subscribe. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. This week, we are welcoming back Allie Harper, she, her, hers. She is a social justice attorney and community organizer. She served as president of the ACLU of Maryland during the marriage equality efforts, as well as on the boards of the ACLU of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Maine. Allie is the founder of Our Shelves, a diverse children's book box service and advocacy effort. She was also previously here on One Bad Mother on episode 282. Welcome back, Allie. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me back. We, oh, well, we're excited. And we'll tell everybody why we're excited in just a little bit. Uh, But first, I want to ask you what we've asked you before. 
Who lives in your house? Well, there's me, Allie, um, my wife, Jen, and our daughter, Anna, who's now six, actually almost seven, and then our newest little one, Isaac, who is not um, yet born, last time we spoke, but who turns one tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually. Oh, oh my gosh. What happy birthday, So it was Isaac. like exactly it a was, year ago or yeah. so. It was. Yeah. Well, let's just, uh, maybe we should or shouldn't have you on once a year, just depending on how your family complete. Yeah, if you're good, then we'll stop calling. That is so exciting. How are you guys doing? Oh, we are doing great. You know, it's been quite a year. It's no joke. It's been quite a year. Yeah, it sounds like quite a a really special year. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Because I have a just turned six-year-old and a 10-year-old, and I know that seven is something. (laughs) Oh, good. That's good to know. We're entering, yeah, she turns seven next month, and... um, yeah, you know, between her turning seven and Isaac turning one, it is just, you know, parenting is amazing and humbling, very humbling. <laughs> is, is humbling code for painful and sometimes <laughs> shitty? <laughs> because I agree to the humbling. Uh, it might be. You're yeah. a good translator. A <laughs> little bit of A, little bit of B. Please remind everybody about what Our Shelves is and does and why you created it. So in terms of why we created it, our two kids have two moms, and we were surprised when we had our oldest almost seven years ago that when we had her, we started asking around for recommendations for high-quality, age-appropriate kids' books that featured two mom families like ours. We were really surprised at how hard these books were to find. And the second observation we had was that there are just not enough high-quality, diverse kids' books, period. (laughs) So our shelves stemmed from those two observations. And so we launched our shelves with a dual mission. And the dual mission is on the front of there are these high-quality existing books that are hard to find. Our mission is to connect those books to those seeking them. So the families, the teachers, librarians, we've assembled an incredible curation team who really help to find these books that can be hard to find, but then also really critically review them. And then our shelves delivers them to our members through either one-time gift boxes or a subscription service. So that's the first part of the mission. But the second part of the mission that goes to there just aren't enough high-quality, diverse books, period, is the advocacy part of our mission, which is that we really need to advocate for the many more diverse books still needed. Well, let's actually, let's talk about the advocacy effort. I would love to learn more about that. So the advocacy part of our mission has two parts. One aspect of it is that we are constantly asking our members and supporters who are still missing on their shelves in terms of which identities are missing and what kinds of stories are missing. And then we collect that information and aggregate it and share it with publishers. So that's the first piece is we're trying to share with publishers what everyday families, teachers, librarians, what we feel are missing on our shelves. And then the second piece of the advocacy is that we're trying to prove the really significant audience that exists for these books. And I can share more about the actual data. At first, this is just kind of an anecdotal sense of, you know, everyone in our world across the country, our friends and families were looking for these books, and yet they were having a hard time finding them. But now we've done the research, and we know that there are millions and millions of people actually seeking these books. So part of what we're trying to do is also prove this really large, significant audience for these books 
that we think is currently underestimated. So when people subscribe to our shelves and buy diverse book boxes, they're not only connecting these wonderful books to their kids and cultivating their inclusive values, but they're also being counted as part of the large market demand for these books, which we think is really important so that publishers kind of move away from perceiving increased risk when creating these books to actually perceiving all the opportunity that exists when creating these books. So we want to be able to go to publishers and say... Not just, oh, you know, did you know that there are very few books with main characters with two moms? <laughs> did, you, did you know people who are did making you know? a conscious choice to not publish such things? Mm-hmm. Did, are, you, are you aware? <laughs> so we want to point out, you know, do the educating of there actually aren't many of these books being published by major American publishers. So first point that out, but then also to be able to then say, will you produce more of them? And not just will you create more of them. But when you do, we are going to be here to buy them in significant numbers. Yeah. So that way, again, they perceive opportunity instead of risk when creating them. I got to tell you, that's like the idea that you might not be aware or that that you think there actually is. All the, the only way I can conceive that that happens is that you see one or two books that have diverse characters, that all that stuff, and you're like parents, like review section, book section in the magazine or family circle, and you're like all done. While like I must have twenty books featuring like bears and pants that need to like figure out how to like wake up, right? And I'm like, <laughs> like there, are, like, the, and then I also have bunnies and I have like frogs and I have like all like, so many, and <laughs> I'm just like that. I mean, I because I'm still surprised. Like I am still like when I get a book and I see diverse characters in it. Like for example, right now, Ellis's teacher has been reading to the class this like chapter books, a very small chapter book series called Zoe and Sassafras. And I really like saying the name Sassafras. It's a cat. And it it focuses on <laughs> science, but the main character is African American. And but it's like that's not mentioned at all except the pictures in the book indicate that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I remember thinking, look how easy that was. <laughs> like that yeah, that's right? easy. Yeah. Well, and also, I've, I yeah. seem to remember last time you were on the show, Allie, you pointing out that books like that mm-hmm. are sometimes hard to search for yeah. because it doesn't make a big deal <laughs> out of the fact right. that it's just a book with a diverse cast of characters yeah. and it's just a great book. <laughs> you and can't, like, for whatever- up. Yeah. yeah. And so and so, I mean, sometimes there are lists of, you know, books, yeah. you know, books that are like this, but you're sort of. It's not systematic. It's yeah. not like you can't just type into the Internet what you want and have it all show up there. Right. Well, and I guess right. part of the goal is to make it so we never have to do searches anymore because every book offers some sort of diversity in it eventually. That would be nice. So wouldn't that be nice? What? That would be very nice. That would be very nice. Well, I wanted to give, before I get into more questions, I wanted to toot some horns related to you. Toot away. I'm going to toot because, pardon me, (laughs) tooting. (laughs) We're all 12 years old. Uh, We were so excited to have you on the last time because it was such a like, oh, look look how great that is. Yeah. And what an easy way 
for all of us to like participate in advocacy as yeah. well as like to get stand this up and to stand counted. up and be yeah. counted and do something cool, yeah. right? Like I can start a subscription, right? Yeah. Like, like that's, and I'm getting something out of it. And not only did I learn that Teresa's book is about to be included in an Our Shelves subscription. So let me encourage our listeners, if you haven't started a subscription, let's start it now. But also that One Bad Mother listeners were some of the biggest subscribers to your subscription. That is so true. It is, it is absolutely incredible. So after I was on your podcast last year, so many of your listeners signed up for Our Shelves. And, and it's been incredible because over time, as I communicate with different members, when I'm communicating, they write giving positive feedback or they write, you know, asking questions. And I say, how did you learn about ourselves? And so many people say one bad mother. And what's incredible about this great group of people is not only are they completely supportive of our mission and so positive about the books they receive, but they are also just some of the kindest people. Because as I mentioned in that last podcast, I had mentioned we were about to have a baby. So many of them in the weeks and months after we had Isaac, not only wrote about our shelves, but also always mentioned, how's your family doing? How's the baby doing? Um, And now I'm in communication with so many people about new babies coming into their families. I mean, it's just, I just want to thank you so much for having me on. and, And thanks so much to all of the One Bad Mother listeners out there who are also part of the Archelves community because you really have been really the heart and soul of our first founding year as we learn how to do this. Yes, I so love cool. the community. Love it. So We do have the best we listeners. Do. We really do. Tell us about what you've learned in the first year. What's come out of this first year? Have you seen an increase in, you know, books? I I got to be honest, when you first came on, I was like, I wonder how long this can can go, you know, like, because there is such a limited selection and or it's incredibly hard to find, right? Like it may be out there, but as Teresa and you have both said, how you search for stuff like that sometimes. So how has this first year gone? What's the response been? Do you already see an impact? Tell us about it. So, I mean, I think the first year is really a reaffirmation of why we have this dual mission. Um, So as I mentioned, you know, the first part of the mission is us connecting these books to our members. And you're exactly right. So Teresa spoke about what I spoke about last time, which is why books that are sometimes less focused on the identity can be hard to find. And then there's also the issues of some of the presses, whether it's a foreign press or whether it's a small press, just don't have the marketing and distribution networks to reach people. So us serving that connecting role is really important. And so one example of that is, um, as I mentioned, with my own family type, it's really hard, um, really rare to find a book with a main character with two moms from a major American publisher. And so we found a book came out last summer from a small Canadian press called Nimbus about a multiracial two-mom family, beautiful book, Exploring the Beach Together by an LGBTQ author. Um, But this was kind of the perfect example of this systemic failure um, that our shelves is here to kind of address. So this was a small Canadian press, and the book was not being distributed in the United States. But we knew our members would want this, so we went to the Canadian press, got the books, delivered them to our members. We became the first in the United States to deliver this book 
to our members. So that's an example of us. I think the first year has been a lot of learning and, and having firsthand experience in by how hard it is. I think we said it was hard. We knew it was hard from my kind of being an everyday parent consumer looking for these books, but now doing the work of the curating and distributing and all of that. Um, that's an example of how there are real systemic failures in place that prevent families, teachers, libraries having access to these books that we're trying to correct. But then, I mean, this goes to the advocacy piece of our mission is also really important. And one of the things that we've tried to do is we are buying our books directly from the publishers and trying to build relationships with the publishers. So we could go to a distributor and kind of get all of our books from the same distributor. But if we can build relationships and communication with all of these different publishers, we've bought books from about 20 different publishers so far. I think that relationship building is really important to the advocacy. So an example of that is I was speaking recently to a Canadian publisher and they were telling me about some books that they thought would be good fits for our shelves. And at some point in the conversation I asked, and do you have any books that um, include LGBTQ characters or families? And they said, no. And that was a moment of education and advocacy and action. We asked them, you know, what would it take to get them publishing these books? We learned about their submission process. They said they preferred Canadian authors and illustrators. So I immediately wrote to the LGBTQ and other Canadian authors and illustrators I know and suggested they start sending manuscripts to this publisher. So I think there's, you know, there's so many different aspects to the advocacy piece. Those are some examples. And then we've also just tried to be there, like Teresa's incredible book, It Feels Good to Be Yourself. We're so excited. I mean, this is such a special book to be able to support books like that and extend their reach or when Aiden became a brother, which came out in June, to be able to be there when books are first coming out and support them. I think it's also really important sending a message to publishers that we will be here when you create these books. But it's been fun. It's been really, really fun here in the first year. I... Love you. Like, as you're talking, I'm just looking at Teresa, and I'm either making a face like, what the fuck? How are there not still, you know, books in the United States representing the LGBTQ community? And then when you say, like, oh, the Canada, Canada's got it, but America won't just, ah, I'm, like, so I'm making those stinky faces. Then I'm making the, like, oh, faces where you're like asking and then you reach out to the different communities to say get your manuscripts in I just think you are doing some good work and like I just want to say to anybody in the publishing industry that's listening because I know we've got them connect up with our shelves if you've got books that you think need to be out there or you've got somebody that you've you want to put out there but you don't know where to start putting out Ta-da! Here she is. I just think you're doing such a good job. And also, yeah. if you need something good to get for your kids or somebody yes, else's for kids for Christmas or Hanukkah whatever, or whatever, yeah, or any time of year, any time birthday, literally any time of year, because it's a <laughs> subscription, and the boxes come quarterly, right? Yep, they come quarterly. Yeah, and my family has been a subscriber for the past year, and we're still we're continuing going forward, and we have loved every single box that we've received. We have enjoyed all the books. So this is a really 
great way to spend your money in a smart and thoughtful way. Yeah, you could even get a subscription for your school library. Look at that. Yeah. I'm like, actually, like, that's in my brain right now. Tell us all, how do we subscribe and what are our choices? So you can go to um, www.ourshelves.com and you can um, subscribe. As Teresa said, there are quarterly book boxes and you can choose whether you want one, three or five books per box. And you can also choose based on the age of your child or children. And you can also get one-time gift boxes. You can always contact us. We're happy to answer any and all questions. If you want to make sure you get It Feels Good to Be Yourself, Teresa's book in your box. Um, because different boxes have different content depending on age. Feel free when you sign up, you can also just email us and we will make sure that book gets in your box. But yeah, we are so grateful to this community and Teresa for creating her book and being part of the book creation process and for Biz and Teresa for um, just holding this conversation and for all of the listeners who have been so incredibly supportive for ourselves in our first year. We really wouldn't be where we are without you. Yay, Allie. Thank you so much for not only all of your advocacy work pre our shelves, but being able to, you know, focus. This is a lot of work. I mean, it's not just I I think about like the energy and the effort and the work of, you know, asking questions of the publisher and then reaching out to, say, for example, the Canadian LGBTQ, you know, communities, different communities and that's a lot of extra legwork. And I, I, that is so kind and generous of you. And thank you for continuing to do this. And congratulations on more kids in your house. <laughs> and we just hope you have an equally successful next year. Thank you all so very much. All right. Have a good, have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Pick up the phone when you I call. is moving now, no longer stone. When you I call, hand reaches out with a will of its own. When you I Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. (laughs) Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too business-y. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. She'll learn what it's all about. (laughs) Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My Uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. (laughs) A new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. Winner up the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. So let me Mm reemphasize our shelves 
uh, go there. Yeah. Ourshelves.com. If you are not already supporting them with a subscription, be it a one-time gift box or uh, any of the subscription packages they offer, this is an absolutely good time to do it. I am so touched and proud of our community of listeners for jumping on this uh, when we first had her on. And I would just love to see that number of One Bed Mother listeners grow that are supporting this. If you are a librarian, if you are a publisher, there are many things that our shelves uh, can offer. I also want to add that for those of you who are looking for more books featuring two mom families, yeah. that book that Ali mentioned, um, we have that book because we've been we've been getting their books, and it's called My Mommy, My Mama, My Brother, and Me, and it's just an absolutely beautiful book. Like my kids love it, I love it. It's a really soothing bedtime story, but it's also got a lot of like nature and learning in it. It's just, it's a really good, I'm really glad she brought it up because yeah. it reminded me, like, it's a really good example of a book that I would never have found or brought into my house if it weren't for our shelves. But now we get to enjoy this book. Yeah. And I'm just very grateful for everything they're doing. Oh, I actually like the fact that we are kicking off the high holiday season yeah. with some real kindness and awareness yeah. and gratefulness. Yes. I, I'm okay with that. Me too. Speaking of things I'm also okay with, let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. <laughs> Hi, this is a rant. I have two children and my 11-year-old daughter is very picky right now. And this morning, I tried to embrace her pickiness and allow her to pick what she wanted for breakfast, so I made her cream of wheat. And it came out of the microwave, and she informed me the cream of wheat was not cooked to the consistency that she wanted it. And so the cream of wheat went into the garbage after several attempts of adding milk and re-microwaving it. And then for lunch, she told me she wanted ramen because ramen is the thing to bring to school. And so I cooked up some ramen, and I told her, you know, don't put any broth in the hot pot thing, pitcher thing, and um, because it'll make the ramen noodles soggy. No, Mom, I just want a little bit of broth. They'll be fine. And when she came home from school today, I said, how was the ramen? You were right, Mommy. It was soggy. I threw the ramen in the trash. And then for dinner, I asked her what she wanted, and she said she wanted the leftover barbecue chicken pizza. So I heated up the leftover barbecue chicken pizza and I put it on a plate and I put it in front of her and she picked up one piece of the chicken and she said, this chicken is dry and it doesn't taste like barbecue. And so for the third time today, I threw a meal in the garbage for my 11-year-old child. I have just had it with her being unhappy and just unable to be, be pleased. And I felt like I needed to rant about it. And so here I am. Thanks for this hotline. And uh, you're doing a great job. Bye. You're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. This is one of those. I, I, I mean, I like and don't like this call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, because, one, we think pickiness ends someday. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and a horror upon horror, it might not. Right. And that's like, what a thing to like have to live <laughs> have to live with when you're trying all the things you can to like be accommodating, mm-hmm. right? And then there's that feeling of, Man, I ain't gonna put any. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. My feeling would have been like, here's yeah. your empty plate. Yeah. Right. But some of us may not want to teach lessons to our children like that either. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's so it. We've talked about this with younger children about how it ties into like our guilt of I can't feed my kid. Mm-hmm. I'm, my job is just supposed to feed my kid and not, you know, I, I, that guilt. Plus, oh, yeah, when you're making lunches and making dinners and making breakfasts all the fucking time mm-hmm. and in chart maybe you're president of the grocery shopping yeah there are days i do not like throwing i don't ever like throwing yeah. food away but it can touch a nerve i don't like making i don't even like food. making and the so food. the yeah. fact that it gets not eaten yeah is insulting is really rough <laughs> it's rough. really really rough because it, I feel like it's definitely one of those things where if you are an outsider listening mm-hmm. or seeing this, it it is definitely a, well, I could fix that. Yeah. Like, where are you supposed to go with this? Yeah. Because you, it's just a lot. No one wants right. to hear their kid or, doing this. Right. Right. And especially when you're like, well, what am I supposed to do to fix this? Right. When maybe nothing, yeah. because maybe your kid's just really picky and going through a yeah. phase where they're talking like, yeah, yeah, like this is what they <laughs> sound like currently, yeah. and that's hard. Yeah, I, I'm just or or the response is like, well, then 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 fine, she doesn't eat anything, yeah. and it's up to her to like fend for herself. But like that, Ugh. that. Doesn't acknowledge, number one, harm has still been done. You still feel like crap because you still prepped food that got went into the trash. Yes. Secondly, like a lot of our kids are not making healthy choices. Yeah. And so we kind of do still need to be involved. And if you just let your kid fend for yourself, I mean, at at a certain point, sure, maybe you will just for your own mental health. But like, it doesn't solve the problem to say, fine, you can just have Cheerios for dinner. (laughs) Like you don't feel good at that point. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that that is a the main point. I also to suggest here. I just want to share that I like that you used the hotline. Yeah. In, the, in such a precisely perfect way. Yes. This is one of those things that only we <laughs> parents will understand yeah, and that it's so easy to be judged about or oh. just have people say, I don't want to hear this. Why Why would you be telling me what this isn't anything? Yeah. And we know that it's something. Oh, it's something. Yeah. And we know that this is that you're not failing. No. Right. We like, know we that know you're amazing. That you're amazing. Yeah. And this is a yes. thing that's happening in your yeah. house. And it sucks. Yeah. On multiple levels. And we understand. Yes. And w- we do not judge. Nope. There is no judging. Nope. I think you're doing an amazing job. I do too. You are. Yeah. Okay. Teresa, what did we learn today? We learned that apologizing may have more to it than just saying, I'm sorry, or 
a Patsy Cline song. It also reminded me uh, how much work we do every day as parents, because I think there is, like, like you were saying, yes, 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 guys, apology. I think apologies are important. I have one foot in old school and one foot in new school. Yeah. You say you're sorry. You look somebody in the eye. Yeah. You accept that apology. But the moving on and the why are we apologizing and acknowledging and accepting that sometimes we do things that hurt others and that we can learn from that and all the feelings that surround both sides of the apology are really important yeah. and and require... Ugh, work. A lot of work. Oh, God, it's so much work. I'm so tired of work. I don't know I want to work anymore. It's not an excuse to do a bad job. Right. It's like, I feel like yeah. something we've been dancing around Yeah. that is really, like, key to this, right? It's like, we are human, so we do make mistakes. And apologizing oh, yeah. is a helpful part of the healing process after we make those mistakes. But then we kind of need to show good faith and try again and yeah. try harder. Like <laughs> if somebody just does the same thing over and over and over again right. and they just keep apologizing, that apology means absolutely nothing. Correct. Like the third or fourth time. It's yeah. done. We're done here. <laughs> Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we also learned that diversity is good. That was a <laughs> dumb thing to have to learn. Big surprise. Yeah. Everybody is doing a really good job. Yeah. And it's a time of the year when everybody's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that are triggering. A lot of things that aren't happy. A lot of things that maybe are so happy we're stressing ourselves out. Mm. Everybody is walking around with a lot. And just like with what we take away from speaking with somebody like Allie Harper about how easy it is to just assume these things are already out there. Mm -hmm. It is really easy to assume that everybody's having the same day that we're having. Yep. And it that's just not true. And that everybody's kids are different. Yes. And I feel like this is something we don't talk about enough either. Yeah. Your kids are different yes. than someone else's kids yes. and vice versa. Yeah. And that accepting that and seeing that and really using that as a mantra, I think really helps us get through our interactions out in the world as well as beating ourselves up or giving a side eye to somebody else. We don't know. Yeah. So let's just try to be fucking nice to each other, yeah. everybody. Yeah, let's be generous, generous with our assumptions. Yes. You guys, you're doing an amazing job. Yeah. I, I mean, for real. Yes. And I see you. Teresa sees you. We see you. You've got this. You're doing it. No matter how great or shitty it is, you're fucking doing it. Teresa? Yes. You are doing a really remarkable job. Thanks, Biz. <laughs> so are you. Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. 
I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.